Hello friends, we have been very chit-chatty lately, but today I have a very specific topic in mind. It's quite heavy and it's a great example of something I feel infinitely more comfortable talking about in this format because it feels really quite vulnerable and a bit overshary, but you know, that's me all over, isn't it? So I did talk about this in a vlog. I don't know if I've posted that by this point, but for the past few years, I have struggled with serious anxiety or feelings of anxiety after drinking alcohol. It's not something um, that I really made sense of until recently. Just kind of fell under a cloud for days after a night out. You know, you're just kind of like in a fog. Um, you know, you just feel kind of like sad, but you don't know why. That's how I would describe it. And I thought it was kind of part of the hangover, just part of, you know, you don't feel very well afterwards. And maybe that has like a knock-on effect on your mood as well. That would make sense. But I recognised that when I was out with a group and I'd had more than a couple of drinks, I felt really low, like lower than normal in certain settings, in certain situations. It felt worse. Nothing bad had to have happened. Like I didn't make a fool of myself or say anything stupid. It, It didn't have to be like, oh, you know, I can't believe you did this thing. That would make more sense. But nothing no specific thing I could point to to say this is why I feel bad. But it just used to like gnaw away at me. I couldn't really put my finger on the feeling. But I think recently, having kind of really thought a lot about it, I think what it is is shame. And once you put that label on it, it feels even heavier, honestly. It feels, you know, that feeling of like you're in bed with a hangover and you feel awful anyway, you feel physically awful, but you're kind of ashamed. That is, that's how I think it makes me feel. I don't know about you, but that, I think that is the the right word. And it makes no sense because I'm not talking about being kind of like fall down, blackout drunk. Like I remember everything. There are obviously times, you know, we've all been there, but I'm not talking about those occasions. I'm talking about the majority of the time where maybe you've only had a few drinks, but I'm loud and maybe I'm embarrassed, I worry about what people think of me because I'm being loud. I don't know. Last year I decided to stop drinking at work events for this exact reason because I am an extrovert anyway, so I'm a loud person and being around people gets me high all on its own. I don't need any help, I don't need any lubricant whatsoever. I've never been that person that needs to kind of pre-drink before we go out. Um, I don't like the feeling of being drunk. In an ideal world, I could drink all night and only feel two drinks drunk. I do not enjoy the feeling of being drunk. I do not like the feeling of being out of control. You kind of get to that stage, don't you? I think the worst is when you have um, a couple of stronger drinks than you're used to having. And then you've lost that, you know, that feeling of, um, you know, you've had enough now. That that kind of chip that says, hmm, maybe dial it back and have a glass of water. When you have a couple of much stronger drinks than usual in quick succession, or you just drink quickly, um, I think by the time it hits you, you've lost that ability to to recognise, oh, I've gone over a line and I need to pull myself back a little bit. I don't enjoy that. I don't enjoy that feeling at all. So I try to avoid it. Um, And, you know, with that in mind, I know that I am loud and I get kind of like excited. And being around people will make me even more so. So I kind of appear to be way overserved when in fact I'm just excited to be with people. So I think sometimes I, from the outside, might look super drunk 
and I've maybe only had one drink or maybe I'm not drunk at all. I have actually been out a couple of times since I decided not to drink at work functions um, and people can never believe that I haven't had a drink for the same reason because I just, I don't need it. I don't need it in the same way that some people do. Um, I'm very kind of giddy in social settings and I will always make a point of driving people home so that everybody knows that I wasn't drinking. I will make kind of like a a show of the fact that I'm not drinking um, because I really, I it it's really irritating because it must be some kind of inner insecurity rearing its ugly head during my midlife. But I've noticed that when I'm with friends, um, like, you know, close friends, even if we're out, whether we're at home, whatever, I don't feel that way. It tends to be like in a group setting, people that I don't know so well, or I probably more realistically people that don't know me so well. And um, maybe I'm in a setting where I'm worried about what people think of me, which you're not with your closest friends, are you? Obviously, I can avoid that quite easily. What I'm doing is working. But I was talking about this recently with a friend and they said they felt a similar way. So I thought it was kind of worth chatting about here because I don't feel like I'm alone in this. I feel like anxiety, which I learned this term recently and was like, well, that's blown my mind. It's almost like feeling a certain way your entire life and then someone saying, this is called this and everybody feels this way, and you feeling like maybe you're not so crazy <laughs> after all. Um, the, the term anxiety was a bit of a, a game changer for me, but it's probably not that uncommon. Um, I think a, a good amount of you probably feel the same way, but I suspect that mine, along with what I've told you already, has a slightly darker route, and this is where it becomes um, a little bit more raw, a little bit more difficult to talk about, and something that I haven't really talked very much about at all in the past because everything I'm about to say is why I am so sensitive to it's why I overthink it's why I allow these kind of bad thoughts to spiral it's why if someone was to say oh do you think you've had enough or to suggest that I'd had too much to drink it's why I would be so extra sensitive and defensive of that um than the average person I think. Uh, it's it's something that would just be slightly more uncomfortable, but I'm going to talk about it because I think it's worth talking about. In my family, there is a fairly steady history of addiction. My dad always used to tell me uh, to keep in mind when I drink, why I'm drinking, because it's something that I needed to be aware of. It is generation after generation after generation. There has been someone... Um, whether it be substance or alcohol abuse, it's something that for sure can be genetically predisposed. I believe, I think addiction is in you. Uh, I've been very thankful to never have been in a situation. I would love to tell you um, I am, you know, I've never taken, I mean, I never have taken a drug in my entire life other than prescription drugs. I have never in my life, not even like weed, never. But I'll tell you why I haven't. No one's ever offered it to me. And I've said this to my children. It would be so easy for me to be all high and mighty of, you know, I've never done this, I've never done that. It is purely luck. Nobody has ever in my entire life offered me, I mean, maybe, possibly once, but not that I can think of and definitely not when I was young enough to be... um, you know, peer pressured into anything. No one's ever made me, like put me in this position where I had to say no. So it would be really, really easy to 
oh, you know, I've never, but I, I've never had to. And I'm so thankful that for that because I do think that I have an addictive personality or a, a personality that would be prone to addictions. Um, and so I'm, I'm just, I'm thankful that I, I, mean, I never started smoking um, and I was never introduced to anything that could have been dangerous at a young age. Um, because I do think that it is, I, I know that's kind of like an on the fence, not everybody agrees with that, but I do believe that that is something that it's not like a guarantee, but it's, it's there and it could happen if it's happened time and time again within your family. Um, and while I totally appreciate the sentiment and the advice from my dad, uh, that, you know, you need to be aware and you need to kind of check in with yourself. Why are you doing this? Um, I do kind of also feel like it was a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Not that I would become an alcoholic or I would abuse substances or anything like that, but that I was kind of waiting for it. It's a little bit like being told you're likely to develop a certain illness. Like it's not 100%, but you're maybe like 50% chance that you're going to get a certain disease or a certain illness. You'll always be looking for symptoms and waiting for the hammer to drop, whereas it may never actually impact your life at all. It may never even come up as an issue, but you're always waiting for it because you've been told that you are likely to suffer with this thing. And if you'd never known, how would you have lived your life differently? Obviously, in my logical mind, I know it's not a problem. If anything, <laughs> if, you, if you've watched me at all on YouTube, if anything, I lean on shopping when I'm sad. If there was anything that I could potentially have a problem with, it's spending money. That is definitely a thing. Like if I am feeling low, it is my first thing. If I'm feeling sad and I go to Tesco, I want to buy myself all the things that will make me feel better. Um, and that might feel like nothing, but it is, it has in the past been compulsive. Um, and that's something that I have had to work on myself because I'm very aware of it. And knowing that about myself, um, I know that I do have it in me to lean on something potentially unhealthy. So it's always kind of there in the background. Um, and in recent years, this anxiety has had a little shadow of like, watch out, which feels a little bit scarier than just like you're embarrassing yourself. Like I could embarrass myself sober, not a problem. I'm not easily embarrassed. Uh, but I mean, you know, in terms of from the outside looking in, I could do something or behave a certain way, you know, just be loud, be the first person dancing, you know, stuff that people associate with being embarrassing. I don't need to have a drink for that. Um, and that little voice that would say, oh, you know, don't embarrass yourself at a work function or don't embarrass yourself at this event with these people that you don't really know very well. That feels like nothing compared to this little look out watch out voice. I was drinking at the weekend with my friend. Um, I've developed a bit of a taste for a margarita recently. We've been enjoying a margarita in the hot tub and I will make, uh, I got a blender from my grandma's house, which is by the way, old school blenders. It's like a, is it called Moulinet? Moulinet, something like that. Um, absolutely fantastic. This blender grinds ice like no blender if you bought a blender now, it just would not crush ice like this. You'd have to spend so much money. And this is like a what would have been a standard, inexpensive plastic blender. And it is incredible. Cannot recommend it enough. You can definitely buy them on eBay. 
Um, it's like a creamy looking thing with some orange dials and like a, uh, a smoky like jog part to it. But that's by the by, absolutely fantastic blender. And it has um, been my kind of end of summer drink of choice because crushed ice, kind of a lemony, um, limey base, some tequila, which I never used to like, but hey ho. And my friend came around and I usually would make uh, one of these jugs and I would, that, that would be a drink for Lee and I. Uh, and I was making drinks, but she was drinking something else and I was making these margaritas and I was drinking them out of much larger actual margarita glasses. And I didn't appreciate, I think I probably only had four drinks, which doesn't sound like a lot, but really it was more like eight drinks because the amount I was putting in each glass, because the glass was huge, was probably what I would have shared between Lee and I, and we would have had one each. So I was having like eight times throughout the course of the evening, I probably had eight times the amount that I would have when we just had one little drink. So it accidentally was a lot. I was thinking four drinks, this is nothing. And the next day I had what was easily top five hangovers of my life. Really horrific. So this is top of mind for this reason. I was kind of talking about it in a vlog for that reason, because I'd kind of lost an entire Saturday to this horrific hangover. And I'm still in truth in a bit of a shame haze off the back of that. Like, a, you know, why would you do this? You're 36, you should know better. You know, when you get up that next morning and you're just like, oh, like, why have I done this to myself? And you just feel terrible. I think it's also made all the more um, shameful for me specifically because my husband doesn't really drink. He very rarely drinks to excess. He's not a drinker at all. Doesn't go out and get drunk and never really has a hangover. And so for me in my house, this is abnormal. If I had a partner who um, liked to go out drinking, maybe I would feel slightly less aware of it. But it feels excessive compared to the only other adult in my house because he barely drinks. So when I wake up with a hanger, I think that's possibly where the extra shame comes from because he never really has that. Um, but whereas most people would kind of brush it off and be like, you know, never drinking again uh, until the weekend after or whenever it is, the little voice to me is more like, but maybe really never again. Maybe you shouldn't do this. And I want to be super clear, I've never had a problem with drinking. I drank more over lockdown, much like the, the rest of the world. We did like cocktails with the neighbours and that, to be fair, was super fun. Like if I could, as I said earlier, if I could drink cocktails rather than like drink and drink and drink and drink, if I could just drink a cocktail every now and then, that would be my, my drink of choice. If I went out for dinner, I would have like a nice cocktail and then a Coke. Um, but when you have the strong, strong drinks and then that little chip in your brain is, has disappeared because you've not recognised that maybe you've gone over that barrier. I hate that. I hate that so much. And that is where I fall into the kind of shame. That and drinking with strangers, people that don't know me very well. I hate it. I hate that whole thing. But like I say, it's not ever been an actual issue. It's not ever been something that I've really struggled with. I have no problem abstaining from alcohol whatsoever. Um, but I wonder if this is something that everyone with this kind of family background feels like, like if you know of, if you know there is something in your background that is this, I know of people who, um, had a similar background that they were just like, well, I'm never going to start drinking in the first place, which I think is fantastic. I think that's like, you know, it all depends on the family that you've come from, um, as to how you feel about alcohol in the first place. My 
family was a drinking family. My family was uh, a family that had parties and um, people came round and everyone had a drink and it was just the normal culture. It's also interesting because literally speaking of cultures, like country to country, this is massively different. How people feel about um, drinking socially, binge drinking, drinking in the house, all that stuff. Everyone feels so differently about it, dependent on their upbringing, whether that be just kind of like the house that they lived in, like the parents that they had, or the country that they lived in and the area that they lived in. It's so interesting how the culture that you are raised in has such a massive impact on your feeling about something like this. Like for some people, it's just not, they never even consider going out drinking because it was just never introduced to them to begin with. It's fascinating to me. Because really, if it was never introduced to you, you would do something completely different. Like socially, it would just be, you would do something different. You know, you'd all go for coffee. You'd all go and do something else. I don't know. It's, isn't it interesting? Like if it just wasn't even a thing, what would we do? Would we still go out dancing? Would people use something else to make themselves feel confident to go out? Because I think if it had never been introduced to me, that wouldn't have affected my social life whatsoever. But it is the basis of most social gatherings, isn't it? For a lot of people. If you're going out for dinner, it's like, well, are we drinking? Are we not drinking? Who's driving? And then if someone doesn't want to drink, then it it becomes an issue of, oh, well, you know, kind of a party pooper situation. It, It feels like the basis of most social stuff. So it is just interesting to me um, how people are introduced to things and how people are raised and how that becomes then, you know, a different way of life. But that's, that's by the by, that's a way off on a tangent. Um, but as I was saying, interested to know if everyone with this kind of family background feels this way because also addiction goes hand in hand with mental illness, which is another lovely cloud I have looming. And sometimes I wish I didn't know. I wish I wish I wasn't, like, how would I feel if I wasn't aware of my family history with addiction and mental illness? How would I feel if that wasn't kind of a, ooh, be careful? Like, would I ever even think about it? Would I ever worry? I mean, I probably would still worry about what people thought of me when I'd had a drink. Um because that's like the overthinking extrovert in me. But I probably would never worry about like, oh, well, you know, you had too much to drink last night. What are you doing? (laughs) Do you know? I wouldn't have those spirally darker thoughts about, you know, you shouldn't have allowed yourself to get to this state where you feel this bad this morning. Um, I would probably give myself a little bit more grace which I assume is what the average person does. It doesn't beat themselves up about having a hangover. They just actually <laughs> feel bad and, and allow it to happen. Although, can we just, why has it not been invented? Why has there not been, we've got so many things. Why has there not been like a hangover pill invented? Why? At this point in our lives, it feels like some amount of science should have been put towards that. How much of our code is written before we were even born how much of who we are is genetic how much of it is influenced by what we learn along the way how much of it is influenced by what we are told about ourselves 
before we've even learned who we are, we are told, you know, you are just like this person in the family. You have got your dad's nose. You are whatever, whatever. We are constantly kind of evaluated and, you know, told who we are before we know who we are. So how much of that is, how much of that informs who we are? Is this the nature nurture debate? It might be. It's quite interesting for me because I have um, two children, one of which is mine and one of which is ours. So my husband is the stepfather of my daughter and I, it blows my mind all the time because they have so much in common and it makes no sense whatsoever. Like from the genetic perspective, I talk about the nature nurture thing all the time because it just fascinates me how much, how alike they are in some ways. Um, I mean, she's a lot like me in some ways. She looks exactly like her actual dad. And then in other ways, she's so much like my husband, which is so bizarre. And so again, you know, falls into the, how much of it is influenced by our surroundings and what we're told. I don't know. Interesting topic anyway. And if anyone wants to chat about it, you can come and find me on Instagram at Michaela McDade. Feels like a DM conversation, doesn't it? Um, I have tons of conversations like this. Sometimes I'll post something and it, it kicks something off. And there are people that I've been talking on Instagram to for years and years because we've started with conversations that have been way too deep to be having with strangers on the internet, truthfully. But it's just something that off, like when I've spoken about this before, I've always had a real mix of things that people have um, come back to me with. I once got into an argument with someone over dry January on Twitter. Thank God I'm not on Twitter anymore. Honestly, it used to draw me in to arguments that I did not need to have with strangers I did not know. Do not miss it at all. And it used to be my social media of choice. Absolutely crazy. But I remember once having this argument with someone because I saw she posted something along the lines of, um, if if you're doing dry January, you're an alcoholic. And it really pissed me off because, you know, hashtag triggered. Um, it really irritated me because she was pretty much saying, if you find it difficult to give up alcohol for a month, then you've got a problem. And I would say, I mean, obviously it completely depends on why you're drinking. And in certain instances, she's probably right. But I would say um, there would be people who would find it difficult to give up chocolate for a month. They're not chocoholics. They just enjoy something. It's a habit. It's something that they like to do. If you enjoy um, like a glass of wine with dinner, you're not drinking to excess, but you enjoy that glass of wine with your dinner, then you might not want to give that up for a month. You might decide to for your health or just for like, let's see how I feel if I don't have that glass of wine. But it doesn't mean that you've got a problem if you struggle with that like, oh, you know, it's difficult. It's like if you're on a diet and you want to eat a whole cake, (laughs) it doesn't mean you've got a problem with cake if it's difficult to not eat the cake. Do you know what I mean? It's annoying. It's annoying. And as with so many other things, it is so easy to judge other people from um, a position of uh, it just not even being an issue for you. Like, it'd be so easy to say, um, well, I could eat, I could go with my entire life without eating chocolate because I don't really care about chocolate. But if you really like a 
cocktail or you really like a whatever, maybe you maybe you'd miss a pint of beer on a Saturday. You know? I don't know. I have so many conflicting feelings about alcohol and a lot of them are difficult to talk about for all of the reasons that we've just gone over. Possibly my most candid and vulnerable topic because it's one of those things that as soon as you start talking about it, as soon as you give this kind of information, people have a very specific idea of you then in their minds. Oh, that's what, oh, okay. So she's probably, they then, you know, they have opinions and I never wanted that, but I also kind of want to see what people think of this and see if this is something that other people struggle with if you know there is a history in your family. Because I don't think this is just me. And um, also I do feel comfortable speaking about it because I know it's not, it's not, (laughs) this isn't exactly a revelation. It's not like I'm Michaela and I'm an alcoholic. There's your soundbite. It is more, can you ever feel comfortable drinking when someone's told you, might be a problem one day. Let me know what you think. And I will speak to you again in the next episode, which will probably be a lot lighter than this one.